Welcome to Real Faith, the podcast where we explore the intersection between culture, faith and youth work. I'm Stephen and I'll be your host. Each episode, we'll look at a different film or series and discuss it in depth, exploring the themes within it and how we can use it with the young people we work with. We'll cover everything from action to horror, comic book movies to comedies. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Real Faith podcast. Today I'm joined by Youthscape's Joseph Hartrop and we discuss the new Thor film, Thor Love and Thunder, the fourth Thor film and the new film in the MCU. As with all our discussions, there will be lots and lots of spoilers as we discuss all parts of the film. So if you don't want it spoiled, please do go and watch it first of all. But without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Joe. Kids, get the popcorn now. Let me tell you the story of the space Viking, Thor Odinson. He was no ordinary man. He was a god. After saving planet Earth for the 500th time, Thor set off on a new journey. Well, he got in shape. He went from dad bod to god bod. And after all that, he reclaimed his title as the one and only Thor. Oh, spoke too soon. Jane? So I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast today by Joe Hartrop. Joe, how are you doing? Hi. Yes, I'm well. Thank you, Stephen. It's a nice warm day, slightly less warm than the intense uh, days we've had recently. So I'm enjoying that. And uh, yeah. I'm well. Yeah, no, it's really great to to have you on and to discuss Thor, Love and Thunder. But before we do that, it'd be good just to to find out a little bit about yourself and I guess your journey through youth work and and, and what your current role is. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Stephen. So, <clears throat> yeah, I grew up uh, in a Christian family. Um, dad, the Church of England minister. So I was part of of, of Christian youth work from a young age in the sense that I re- received it. And one thing that I did that's been a big part of my life, my whole life, including my adult life, was going to like a Christian summer camp. Um, well, the first one when I was like nine or something. And then I went to another one when I was uh, 12. And that same camp, I went on 12, 13, 14. And then I came back as like a helper one the next year because I wasn't, wasn't quite a leader, but I was a sort of helper. And then I've been a leader every year since then. So I think this is my, I'm doing it again this summer as a, as an overall leader. Um, and that's, I think my 18th year. So that's, that's been a pretty solid thing. And that's probably been the biggest part of my life. That's been like being a youth worker, um, you know, doing it in a, in a volunteer capacity, kind of sort of more rarely than people who are doing it every week sort of thing. Um, but that's been, that I also work um, for a youth work charity uh, called Youthscape, and uh, they support youth work and youth workers uh, across the country. So um, I'm part of that team helping develop resources uh, for youth leaders to use and uh, yeah, new things that we're putting out all the time. And I also manage the website and edit and write content for that. That's all uh you know supporting youth leaders and i've got to you know meet youth leaders at things like the national youth ministry weekend and stuff like that mm. so yeah 
bit of my experience with you two out there. Great, thank you very much. And and thinking then more generally about Thor before we get specific about Love and Thunder, what's been your your history with the the, the previous three Thor movies and and I guess the the MCU in general? Are you a, mm. have you been a general fan of the the Thor movies in the MCU? Kind of where are you at with that? Yeah, I like Thor. I think Thor's a he's a likable character, isn't he? And he's like I remember enjoying the first one, directed by Kenneth Branagh. And which I look back quite fondly as like those early MCU movies where things were a little bit simpler, you know, and they were still kind of working out what exactly they were doing. I like that first one. Uh, it's just got a relatively simple fish out of water story. Um, it's not, you know, world changing, but it's quite fun. And it's got some nice depth to it. And this, this, you know, Thor's this prideful guy and he gets really humbled and it's you know it's it's you know a story that's been told before, but I just thought I always found it quite powerful the moment where Odin casts him out of Asgard, and it's this very sort of quite intense uh, thing that I feel like everyone it feels like that's not a moment they just play for laughs, you know the the the, the sort of sadness of that moment is very real. Mm. Um, so it's a nice one that I think Thor: The Dark World, second one, everyone it's a lot of people's least favorite. Um, mm. MCU movie or definitely one of them uh, sort of ranked near the bottom but I think it, I haven't rewatched it in a long time but I think it's all right it's got some some fun stuff in it it's kind of it's fine you know it, it's there's some cool battles and uh, it's sort of continues their stuff Loki's good in it um, so he, he brings some fun stuff to that in his that's kind of him post Avengers isn't it um, and they just sort of kept bringing him back after that i think because everyone loved him so much so uh so yeah that was yeah that was okay and then what do we have we have i guess we have him showing up in the all the sort of uh avengers movies up to that point and mm. then he gets kind of shaken up with ragnarok where they kind of sort of did the thing they often try to do with the third movie which is sort of bringing someone to make it a bit different and make it a bit fresher so mm. Uh, and that was where Taika Waititi came in, and I thought that was fun. It was like, you know, had had a sort of uh, some some good comedy and just some new sort of energy, slightly offbeat sort of energy to it, um, not taking itself too seriously. And then I thought Thor had a great little arc in the the last two Avengers movies in in uh, Infinity War and Endgame, where he's sort of very much been broken down. And uh, yeah, we watch we watch him kind of this guy who's lost, you know, everyone he loved, and and then go on this kind of revenge mission. I guess I'm allowed to just spoil what happens. In yeah, no, no, that's fine. <laughs> um, and you know, he's it builds up to this euphoric, you know, thing where he gets his new hammer, but then he fails because he doesn't go for the head. He doesn't kill Thanos, and and then he gets even more depressed, and so then it's like another comeback after that. Um, and I guess I know that the the kind of uh, the bro sort of Thor or kind of uh, fat Thor in in Endgame is, is probably controversial. I don't know. Um, but I think that their heart is in the right place in terms of that journey. I felt like they that's someone who's sort of like someone who's kind of embracing the the pain that they've, they've lived with and sort of mm. still gets a kind of um, a heroic sort of story. And then that, that, that the end of that kind of builds right into this movie really, doesn't it? So um, 
but yeah, overall, I've I've liked his character. My feelings about the MCU, I I was definitely quite into it, like um, early on, like um, when the first. I don't think I was watching. I mean, I probably first saw the first one. Iron Man. I only would have caught that one on DVD, but after that, I think definitely like by the time the Avengers came around, I was very into it, and that was like it was a very exciting time because. Uh, it just hadn't been done before, you know, all this crossover yeah. stuff yeah. in such in such a big and impressive way. So it's very exciting to see all these guys come together in the Avengers. And I honestly remember coming out of the Avengers, the first one, thinking that's you know the greatest movie of all time, and just the audience reaction and like in being in a full theater for that kind of stuff was very exciting. And then after that, and these were all the kind of years I was at uni, I guess it was that they they kept building on that and Civil War and all building up to the last two Avengers movies. I thought they've been, you know, generally very quality films. Um, some some better than others, but like a very impressive overall big story they, they, they've been telling and they managed to sort of bring it all together and have all these characters interweaving. I always thought it was pretty impressive. And I wrote my master's dissertation, I wrote um, all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and how we okay. sort of like how we might interpret it like theologically because it's like mm. this big pop culture uh event you know it's like and I guess I was exploring the extent to which it plays a kind of religious role in people's lives in the way that it's kind of you know all these films have this intertextuality in that they rely on each other and so you're kind of invited into this bigger story of you need to know the stories that have come before to understand this one you know and that's quite a sort of if you look at you know the bible for example that's that's very much how it you know functions another mm. religious text that you've got to kind of be into the community to really get the most out of it again you know fan community in general functions in the same way in terms of how people interpret texts you know the more enthusiastic they are um this idea of a, a devoted following and just the way that these stories like yes they're relatively like popular and kind of sometimes simple goodies versus baddies stuff but they explore some interesting themes of you know humility and sacrifice and the need for you know cooperation and like working as a team is obviously a big a big part of it is that idea that it's one person working alone is never enough that you have to discover you know interdependence which is you know a pretty uh pretty worthy thing to to emphasize mm. if you're gonna emphasize something so yeah um i guess now post endgame i'm slightly i'm in that stage of like as a lot of people are i guess thinking is this still is this still good is this still or is it like <laughs> is it where's it going not that it like has to like I, I need to know what the next avengers movie is or something or um because sometimes it's nice when things aren't all connected um but just a slight sense that i feel like more the more recent films have been less um consistent in their quality and maybe that's fine you know it's just a bit more like superhero films used to be a bit more like erratic in terms of whether they're good or not um but yeah i guess like with the all the mcu shows and stuff it's just been a bit like oh actually yeah they've just none none of them have truly blown me away um okay. so um but you know i i will still watch it all <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks for that. 
thanks for that, Joe. That's the, the kind of theological kind of what you were going into there about the inter intertextuality and stuff really interesting. And 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 even just that that really good summary you gave of of, of Thor's character and, and the arc that that he's gone on and that kind of brings us, yeah, as you say, to, to Thor Love and Thunder. So let me give a little bit of a a plot synopsis of, of what happened in the film. Obviously again full of spoilers as, as as we go through this. So the film opens with with Gore, who's the new character played by Christian Bale, and his daughter Love, and they are struggling in this barren uh, desert. They are they're praying to their god Rapu, and and asking for food, asking for shelter, but but nothing comes of that, and and Love dies. The god killing Necrosword we're introduced to it calls out to Gore, leading him to Rapu's lush realm, and so Gore finally meets. Rapu and asks him why that he has been praying to him but but never did anything and and Rapu just dismisses Gore's plight, laughs at him and then proceeds to to try and kill him. The Necrosword offers itself to Gore and Gore then kills Rapu with it and vows to kill all other gods. Gore is granted the ability to manipulate shadows and produce monsters but is cursed with impending death and is slowly corrupted by the sword's influence. So after that, we have the, the title sequence. We then have a, a long narration from Korg, explaining everything that, that's ultimately happened to Thor and, and where he is at the moment with the Guardians of the Galaxy. After Gore kills several gods, Thor learns of a distress signal from Sif, and which leads Thor to part ways with the Guardians of the Galaxy and to go in search of Sif, who he finds, and she explains that, that Gore is killing gods, and the next target for Gore is new Asgard. We're then reintroduced to Dr. Jane Foster, Thor's ex-girlfriend, who had appeared in Thor and Thor 2. She's been diagnosed with stage 4 terminal cancer, and with that medical treatment proving ineffective, she travels to new Asgard, hoping that Thor's fractured hammer uh, Mjolnir might heal her. Uh, due to an enchantment that Thor has placed on her uh, years earlier, uh, Mjolnir re re comes back together and, and bonds itself to her. Thor then arrives in New Asgard just as Gore's attack begins, and Thor is surprised to find Jane wielding the hammer, but nevertheless teams up with them to, to fight Gore. The group, the group managed to thwart Gore, but he escapes and in doing so kidnaps several Asgardian children and imprisons them in the Shadow Realm. The group then travel to a place called Omnipotent City, a realm that is home to, to many gods, to warn them of what is happening. The leader of the god Zeus fears Gore and is unwilling to help, thinking they can remain safe and hidden from Gore in this city. Zeus orders the group's capture to prevent, prevent them from exposing the city's location, and an ensuing fight happens where Korg's body is destroyed, though his face remains alive. Thor impales Zeus with his own thunderbolt, which Valkyrie then steals before they escape. As the journey continues, Thor and Jane rekindle their romantic relationship, and Foster reveals her illness to him. The group arrive at the Shadow Realm, but are unable to find the children, but Jane deduces that the kidnappings were a trap for Gore to take Thor's axe, Stormbreaker, in order to summon the Bifrost and alter the realm of Eternity, who can then grant his wish to destroy all gods. 
Gore overpowers the group, severely injuring Valkyrie. The group retreat back to Earth, though Gore manages to steal Stormbreaker Thor's axe. Drained of her strength each time she uses the hammer, Jane is warned that using it once more will likely kill her. Thor then persuades Jane to let him fight Gore alone while she rests. Thor finds the kidnapped children at Eternity's altar and using Zeus's thunderbolt, imbues them with his power to fight Gore's monsters while he battles, battles Gore himself. When Foster senses that Gore is about to kill Thor, she joins the battle to save him. They destroy the Necro Sword, freeing Gore from its influence, but the three are brought back into Eternity's realm. With Gore poised to make his wish to kill all gods, Thor implores Gore to revi revive his daughter instead of destroying the gods. Thor then leaves Gore to make his decision and attend to Jane, who dies. Moved by this display, Gore wishes for Eternity to revive Love, his daughter, which it grants instead of killing all the gods. And then as Gore dies from his curse, he requests that Thor care for Love. Korg's body is restored and he starts a family, while Jane's sacrifice is honoured in New Asgard, where Valkyrie and Sif begin training the children. Thor adopts Love, who joins him in his heroics. And then we have a couple of, mid, uh, couple of end sequences where we see Zeus uh, speaking to his son Hercules and, and commands him to go and kill Thor. And then in the post credit sequence, we have Fos uh, Jane Foster arriving at the gates of Valhalla, uh, where she is welcomed by Heimdall. It's it's a wordy plot. There's there's a lot of that, a lot of going from one place to another, a lot of MacGuffins, things that we've never heard about before, but we hear about in this film, which which maybe gives some indication of maybe some of my thoughts on it. But but I guess to start with you, uh, Joe, what did you think of Love and Thunder? Yes, well, um, it's interesting as you relate that. You know, it's kind of made me reconsider just trying to assess it a bit more. I think there's some, there are some interesting things in the story, aren't there? But yes, my initial reaction was I didn't love it. In fact, I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I, I quite a lot didn't love it. In that, uh, it was uh, I just didn't enjoy it very much. And I remember just I felt like there was a lot of jokes or things that were meant to be jokes mm. that I just found myself not finding very funny. And, um, and again, it's hard because I. I feel like I, I mean, I know these films well, and it's like, it's not like I go into it with a cynical perspective of like, oh, I hate all these films, superheroes, all this stuff, you know, like in theory, I would be primed to sort of enjoy some of this stuff. Um, I just found that, yeah, I thought there was a lot of sort of ropey dialogue, or a lot of kind of silly kind of, you know, we've got to get the thing to open the the gate sort of uh type of dialogue that's not very good or just kind of a bit corny um or a lot of self-referential gags which like i find a bit annoying because um i know that's kind of the marvel thing is they like to sort of like you know deconstruct it while they're doing it but i kind of actually prefer movies when they're a bit more sincere and it's like you go back and you watch like the old toby Maguire spider-man movies and they're not like Oh, isn't this isn't this dumb? You know, this this guy he's like a spider, Spider Man. You know, that's so silly. Like, they kind of just roll with it. Like, you kind of they kind of play it straight. I mean, there's fun moments in the film, like um, 
but you also kind of fully buy into it into the kind of the hero's struggle i think because it isn't always trying to crack a joke about like a serious moment and make light of it i guess there's a it's interesting that it engages such heavy themes like cancer but at the same time has such a jokey vibe that for me i see what maybe they're trying to go for is this kind of you know isn't that sort of daring to have that juxtaposition but for me it just didn't really work i didn't feel like they sort of the tone tonally it felt wrong um in terms of how they yeah just treated that so i did think i i love christian bale and i thought his gore was very good for what he got mm. to do i thought he did a good performance and i would have liked to see more of that or like just yeah, maybe just tighten the kind of conflict and stuff. It felt like maybe there was too many, like, too many different stories going on there that actually, like, maybe we could have just done the story focusing on Jane and her, like, story. Um, but then I thought, because it was Thor and Jane, it, I don't know if that, like, obviously it's about kind of a romance between them, but I just thought maybe it felt like there was too much going on. Um, Valkyrie's kind of in it, but she doesn't really have a lot to do Korg likewise is kind of there to just kind of do some jokes and I liked Korg before when he was introduced but now I found myself not enjoying him as much I don't know why it just it felt like it had a lot of the ingredients that made Ragnarok work in theory you've got your rock music and your colorful vibes and your, your jokes and Taika Waititi kind of stuff but it felt like just maybe overkill or just like mm. it just wasn't it just wasn't executed well enough so that it didn't it just didn't um really work so um i thought there was some i thought there was some ropey cgi to be honest um and like i guess yeah probably just switched off a bit more at, at some of those kind of fight scenes or like um feel like felt like it got a bit lost when they were sort of hanging out with zeus and um it just sort of like some of it felt just kind of like kind of bad improv or something you know and they just kind of mm. like um you're like well where, where, yeah, where's this going um so there's so those are some of my thoughts i don't know if that's what did you think yeah yeah no no similar to that definitely I, I th yeah i i think i i thought christian bale was was great I, and you don't get christian bale in if you if you don't want something that that's intense and but but at times it felt like he was in a a different movie I think from what everyone else was doing, I, I, I normally do like Taika Waititi's stuff. I, I, I did feel there was too much, and I, and I think there was too much of Korg. I think he played a, especially with the narration. I, I really struggled with the narration that he he gives through a lot of the film because it's a he kind of taught in, in film show don't tell, and and there was a lot of telling and not showing. So here here's what Thor has gone through. Here's what he's feeling. But not actually showing it. It's it's just Korg explaining a lot, which I really struggled with. And and, and so I think Taika Waititi just seemed to be given free reign to do whatever he wanted. I know he, he said about the fact there was a lot of improv, mm. which I, I think comes across. The original cut was four hours, so he, he cut two hours of stuff out, and and so probably gives a little bit of that disjointedness. Yeah, Russell Crowe and Zeus. And all of that, I was just like, oh, you know, that's it. It, it was kind of like Flash Gordon mm. type panto 
it definitely and him doing whatever accent Russell Crowe was. It, it reminded me of, of Jared Leto in the what's the, the, the film that the just came House out. of Gucci. Yes, it yeah. reminded me of that kind of hey, oh, and it was just like mm, no, let's 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 tone this down. What I like, I, th- I thought Ragnarok balanced that jokiness with with serious stuff. Because Hela, I thought was a was a great villain and and, mm-hmm. and brought real gravitas to it, and and I think they just flipped it too much the other way that it was too jokey, and and it, it just became very muddled. I think the whole thing about eternity we'd never heard about before, and that became very muddied. I think, and it was just a MacGuffin of well, we need to do this to get, and then which then I thought ruined Gore's whole thing because if if he knew about eternity all along. And knew that Stormbreaker would get him there. Why he did didn't go to Thor straight away? Why go through and kill other gods first? Why go straight to it if, if to get the wish that would kill everybody? So that all became quite muddled. And then I, I just didn't believe the idea of the wish that he ends up, which is to bring his daughter back from the dead. But then he dies, so that leaves his daughter without him. And I thought, that's that's a fairly selfish, quite a horrible thing to do to your daughter. Why not just wish to be with her in, in the afterlife and then they get to be together? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or, or make the wish that they both get to live. That could have been a wish that could have been granted. So many other wishes he could have done <laughs> that might have made more sense. So, yeah, I, I think it was too jokey. There was things I liked. It, it, to be honest, it was fine and within the the ranking of of thor films for me it's it's probably second with the first thor because i thought the first thor was all right and and i would say mm. this is okay and mm. very at the bottom is is thor 2 yeah i know you talked okay. about thor 2 being generally a lot of people don't like it for me it's it ranks bottom with iron man 2 really is what i think are the the two worst mcu movies so as a thor movie i thought it was yeah it's fine but I think it was a missed potential. Although, as I think we'll go on to, I think there's some really interesting things to discuss about it. So even though I don't think the film's great, mm. I, I think there are some some interesting things. But but I think key for me is that there was a lot of telling and not showing. Yeah, and yeah. Thor had no arc whatsoever in it. He, just, he started in one place and then ended up with with a daughter, but there was no, I don't know, there was there was, there was, was no story to get him to that place. He just kind yeah. of bumbled through while Korg explained what was happening. Yeah, it's a good point about the showing and the telling um, and, and how, why the narration is, you're right, I was like, that is annoying. And um, as you say, it's just because it's kind of telling you stuff that's happened or how people are feeling. As you're right, it's kind of like, where does this character go from here? Because he had all these films now to grow. Um, like, how can he where does a character like that I think his high point, you know, was was the last couple of films probably was the was the most interesting dramatic journey for him mm, that we've yeah. had. Um, I kind of thought that he was going to sort of maybe just be be less of a central character in the MCU who might sort of show up and sort of impart some wisdom, you know, because at this point you think, okay, he's an older, wiser Thor, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Maybe that's the role he could play is kind of show up, be like an Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of uh, 
you know wise figure and and help out with something yeah. but not necessarily be the focus because otherwise there's a focus as you say it's kind of like he's got to what, find himself again like i mean yeah you think he starts off with the guardians of the galaxy and maybe that, like they didn't do it they kind of jumped they kind of rushed through that didn't they kind of yeah he was doing that and then i think a lot of people maybe thought we'd get a movie about that or something but they kind of sort of got rid of them within the first 20 minutes or something and gave a reason for them not to be hanging out um which thought okay fine we'll, we'll do something else then um yeah yeah i guess they were trying to sort of retcon a, a deeper relationship with jane weren't they because it was like yes she she kind of been abandoned since since thor dark world and the character hadn't been seen and they were just like oh yeah you know she dumped him um and then i think they got the idea to like oh no we should bring her back and that would be interesting because they've you know that there's been a good run in the comics about that about her as, as the mighty thor um but uh so then i guess they kind of ended up sort of diving more into oh okay they did more stuff did happen that we didn't see with them um but i didn't feel that the chemistry between him and jane was was that convincing as like it's certainly by that um it felt like i was meant to because you meant to feel sad at the end but yeah yeah no i agree because obviously there was then a lot of flashbacks about their relationship trying to create something that had been forgotten about ultimately so yeah because for me her her death was fairly meaningless by the end because I didn't believe in their relationship she she was an afterthought I, I, again they could have done and, and I think to bring her back to kill her off for Thor just to have another female that that dies I had had an issue with even if I think if they'd built up the fact that Thor wanted kids and couldn't have kids mm. and then had a kid at the end with love I think there could have been an arc there but again they, there was there was nothing of that yeah, yeah. The only ones who gods care about is themselves. So this is my vow. All gods will die. I just want to say that was very, very impressive what you did back there. She's my first bad guy. You never forget your first. So, yeah, we'll move on from, I guess, general, maybe some general thoughts and into some specific things that I think are, are maybe worth exploring. And, and I think you highlighted it. The one that I'd kind of like to start with is around gore and being... A, devoted to his his god and praying lots for things to happen and and, and nothing happens and, and when that was part of that scene was going on i was like well that's a an interesting thing of well, what happens when prayers aren't answered what what do what do we do with that do we then just turn on our gods kind of how, how do we feel about that and, and and so i thought that was a really interesting theme and and i think for for youth groups and stuff, again, even just that that scene, using that scene of of Gore and his daughter and and that that prayer that he gives, and actually, yeah, that the prayer wasn't answered, and we'll maybe talk about why the prayer wasn't answered in a bit with the kind of depictions of gods and 
in, in, in the film. But I guess, how did you think they, they handled that idea of prayers not being answered and, and how Gore ends up reacting to that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's one a part of it is a little bit tricky, isn't it? Because it's trying to work out what do they really mean by gods in this world? Because mm. it's like, like answered like prayer and stuff it's not like we see thor like hearing people's prayers and stuff much and like choosing to respond or not whereas as christians we think about we 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 like make our prayers prayers to god but it seems like gods are more just like action heroes or very powerful people mm. that like you don't always get that sense of like their omnipotence or omniscience in the sense that they they hear everything they see everything um but i liked yes i like the way they they just went right in with that with this guy who's praying to a god that he believes in and there's nothing there you know that's like quite a sort of dramatic thing to have and quite a sort of tragic moment um and it felt yeah i think for any religious person would say that's a kind of accurate sense of like the reality of human life is that Mm. sometimes you will ask for something and not get a response or the thing that you want and you know so many people will suffer and and we'll pray for it to stop, but um, and maybe sometimes it will, but it, um, but often it doesn't. So I thought it was it was kind of suitably sort of you know, yeah, um, like yeah. I don't know if I was like overall fully moved because it was just a brief moment, but it was on. It, there was the basis for something sort of profound there, um, and then to see how he changes because it's kind of like he comes face to face with with the god he's always been praying to and it's not it's not what he expected and this god turns out to be you know selfish and um and and not actually a good being and then he literally he ends up completely turning against his god which kind of felt like the sort of uh it's almost like the ultimate sort of deconstructionist in a way do you know what i mean that sense of like mm. you're a faithful believer and then something happens maybe that that you start to question it and then you feel like actually the mask falls off at some point and you think, oh, actually, the you know, the church is very corrupt or something. You know, like, um, this isn't as as clear-cut as I thought. Um, and then, like, um, not that this is... I mean, deconstruction is like obviously a, a thing that people mean different things by, but that idea that you might actually go on to question things and then literally turn against the whole thing because you decide that what you once thought was like the meaning of life you now think is like a horrible lie and you know all gods must die that sort of thing so i guess that's quite an interesting like you know narrative i guess that like i wonder if what yeah what young people kind of make of that if they see the kind of the the kind of from our perspective what how kind of religious faith kind of sits with that and how they mm. yeah like process answers unanswered prayer or or disillusionment with religion or god yeah yeah because even when gore finally comes face to face with with rapu he, he still bows down before him still has mm. this this reverence even though he knows at that point he, he didn't answer the prayer and in, in the way that he wanted so there was definitely still that that reverence that comes mm. through and until when he finally asks why why didn't you do this and obviously then yeah we learn that the rap who is selfish and, and, and self-serving ultimately that all the gods are in 
in, in this universe and, and particularly in this film. Yeah, it, you make that distinction, as you said, about, yeah, they don't have the, the qualities of, of Yahweh in, in, in terms of the, 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 the Christian understanding of God. They, don't, they are very much in one place, in one time, which I guess is similar to, I guess, the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament un understanding of God's being geographical and actually there being many mm. gods mm. and and depending on where you moved you would worship a different god you would encounter a different god there and yeah. so i guess it's covering something of that and then obviously within greek mythology as well uh, covering those things as well yeah and, and i guess deconstruction is an interesting thing it can be it can be a positive thing mm. in, in terms of how it, it, it pushes you more into and to examine more but yeah, yeah, ultimately can lead you to to the way that, that Gore goes, which is to come to become a I guess a new atheist ultimately right. using yeah, that yeah. brand of things. It, yeah, it's not yeah. just I don't believe in you anymore. I'm I'm gonna wipe out even the idea of gods. Um yeah. I'm gonna go at it and 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 get rid of them. And and so I, I thought as well connected to that then really was that that nihilistic depiction of of gods. Mm. in the MCU we obviously have in Eternals the the different type of gods which are maybe more omnipresent mm -hmm. and more initial I can't remember what they're called now off the top of my head but the kind of massive type yeah gods. and they're more like they're more like creator beings aren't they that sense that they kind of brought everything to be in a way yes um, rather than just like being each old powerful beings like Thor and of those guys mm. yeah yeah so there's definitely a, yeah a distinction a hierarchy i guess with mm. with the types of god which again i guess similar to to the hebrew scripture idea of yahweh being kind of the the, the supreme god and then then there being lots of other gods there but i wonder what you then think of the, of the depiction of these other gods of of zeus and do you think that brings any challenge for, for for christians to watch or do, or do you think there's things that we can can learn from that when, then when we think about yahweh and, and, and the, our christian understanding of god mm. i guess it's interesting in that it the whole thing yeah is asking the question what who are gods and what are they what are they like and uh i think it's i don't know if it's it's I don't know if it's a challenge, but it's an interesting question in terms of how they they frame people like Zeus as, yeah, these are powerful beings, but they don't care about you, you know. Mm. Um, I guess they're kind of, Zeus is almost like a sort of politician in that he's kind of high up and distant from things and and sort of has a, um, is is, you know, overconfident in sort of his own security and, you know, Gore could never get to us, that sort of thing um i think uh so it felt more like in a way it's characterizing a, a certain kind of human in that way that like um mm. that that kind of arrogance um and un sort of uh, uncaring attitude i think um and then yeah there's the question of okay so yeah is is the god of the bible you, you might be asking christian you thought you know is is this god like that you know um and i you know i mean obviously i would say the the picture is no it's something much more complex you know uh that god isn't god isn't like petty like us and is 
well you have this transcendence and and the imminence as well that god is mm. wholly other and also you know wholly with us i was mm. thinking i guess there's a a slight hint of like something like the incarnation in that um maybe jane foster is the most virtuous in the story and that she is she is kind of a, a hybrid of god and human because she's a mm. human being who gets godlike powers um and then she ultimately you know sacrifices herself um in order to save you know the universe um and enables sort of peace for everyone which you know you could say is a is a sort of christ analogy and it's mm. not it's easy to obviously go looking for christ analogies and um there's a lot of self-sacrifice in in movies and stuff but i thought that was that was kind of interesting that there's that slight sense it's not exact it's not a perfect analogy for the incarnation um that sort of it's a you know a, a human who gets godlike powers sort of thing but um but it is an interesting that they bring that in that there's this sense of people who are born with power and and misuse it and don't care about people and then people who are born human and have the chance to do something good with their life mm. and and they're given some power and then they use it to to sacrifice themselves which is an interesting contrast i guess the message of of, of scripture is is actually that there is this holy powerful being who created us and that that person is the same one who chooses to 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 humble themselves and and to come down and become human and be be with us and you know like like jane foster to to take on weakness and suffering and and ultimately yeah suffer um for us so yeah i certainly think there's some in, there are some interesting contrasts we drawn out that i think you can sort of bring um you know christian theology into that conversation yeah you know i, I really like that that the christ analogy obviously not not perfect and, and no no version of it in a film is ever going to be perfect for that but i but, but I think that's a, that's an interesting thing to explore, particularly as well that I think Gore's salvation that he finds in the end is yeah is through her sacrifice mm. and, and through the love that he sees that Jane has, and it's that love that ultimately transforms him and mm. that challenges him so that he finds peace in the end. Because yeah. obviously they, they talk about the end, you don't need revenge; it's love that you need. And that's what they say to Gordon, and that's ultimately what transforms him. So, yeah, not perfect, but but I think yeah, there's some interesting, mm. I, guess, I guess, jumping off points you could have. Yeah, yeah. With that, and and I think as well, generally, uh, being able to compare and, and I guess contrast the, the depictions of gods within the MCU within this film, and also the depiction of of God that we find in the Bible. That's something that I used to do a lot within within the youth work when I worked for a, for a church was looking at like, the creation account within Genesis, but comparing that to the, the other creation accounts that would have been around at the time, so that the Babylonian mm -hmm. creation myth and others, and comparing and contrasting them to say, well, what does this say about God? And, and, and what does the, the Babylonian creation myth say about their God? And, and, and what are the differences? What can we learn about our God and mm -hmm. how do we understand that? Because ultimately, the Genesis creation story would have been written in the context of, of the Babylonian myth too. They, they would have known about these other myths and as well for the, the account of the flood. And there's obviously a number of other accounts of floods within 
different religions. And so that was something I would use as well to say, well, what do we learn about God from the biblical flood narrative mm. in comparison to some of the others? Now, I understand maybe for some that would be a, a stretch too far and might be pushing in and, and saying something that they might struggle with in, in terms of their own theology and, and how they view the Bible. And, and, and I get that. But that, that's kind of something that I did within youth work. And, nice. and I think in some way, Love and Thunder's depiction of gods, I think you could do a little bit of a, mm. a compa- compare and contrast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that's interesting, yeah. Um, and have you had a chance to talk to young people about this film? or Not yet. No, no, I haven't done, because uh, it was just, when was it? It was Sunday. Yeah, yeah, Sunday yeah. I went to see it, so I've, I've not been able to kind of chat about it yet with anyone to see and, and to raise any of these kind of issues yet, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be interested to, to, to finally get a chance to and, 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 and see what people people thought of it. Because obviously, that, for all its issues, a lot of people have gone to see it. It's the biggest opening of a Thor movie. Yeah. Um, and and yeah. Out, out of the four of them, it's made the most kind of opening weekend. So it's definitely critically not been received that well. I guess you're looking at kind of three star downwards. I've, I've yeah. not seen any four or even five stars, obviously, for it. But it's still, people are obviously still going to see it in, in, in the drove. So, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to explore that with young folk and mm. kind of what, what, what they see in it. Yeah, yeah. Like, one other thing, and, and this is maybe going off on a completely different note, because I, th- I, I think one of the big things that I noticed in the film, it was very, I, I guess, a celebration of, of, of queerness, I would say, and, and, and obviously some Christians would then would struggle with that with that message with, within the film, but that was it definitely had its heart on its rainbow sleeve. If it was to kind of use any kind of analogy like that in terms of the showing the different sexualities of of a number of the characters, and and one other thing that I thought was interesting was around Heimdall's son, who had chosen a different name. And, and no longer wanted to be called by his old name or his mm-hmm, dead name, yeah. if you want to use that kind of language that is used in the, the trans community. Mm. And so, I, again, I don't, that's, knowing something of Taika Waititi, that's probably something he, he wanted to, to, to kind yeah. of get across. But, but I just thought that was interesting where Thor is being corrected because he's going, oh, no, that's not your name. Mm-hmm. And everyone else going, no, he's, he's now Axel. That's, that's, this is now who he is. And you yeah. need to accept him now for who he is. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that's good. That's 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 an interesting analogy. And you're probably right. That probably was kind of the angle there, which is yeah, very much a kind of an adult has the idea of of how who that person should be, you know, based on well, I know, I knew your father sort of thing. Which I guess you probably um yeah, it's probably quite a common thing, isn't it? It's just like when people um it's not not the same as trans experience, but when people no. say, you know oh you're just like your dad you know and uh or like here's here's who you should be or or what you should be called and yeah I thought on the kind of queerness I guess I don't know if some people would be disappointed in the sense that it wasn't I don't know it could be arguably accused of uh of kind of queer baiting which I think a lot of Disney things tend to do in that they like sort of pretend to be like quite progressive but then like when it gets down to it I mean I guess the most explicit like like thing is that it's like Korg 
has finds a a male rock person to mm. to marry and um i just thought that wasn't like it's not exactly a like a beacon of inclusion is it i mean it's like <laughs> this is like a sort of comedy rock character like and they're like and and he's gay you know and it's sort of like it's not i feel like i would you know if I was looking for inclusion from that film, I'd feel like I'd been slightly fobbed off. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, um, it's not like that's a central part of the story. It's kind of like, it's, you see it happen. And yeah, you, I mean, Valkyrie gets some mention of her former lover. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know how, what the reception has been. Um, I don't know. I think, didn't Taika get in? I think some people were reacting recently because there's some article where he said that, we all, in some way, we we're all queer or something, and probably that was, maybe people have been sort of annoyed by that. But um, mm. yeah, I can imagine some conservative people might be like, "Well, you know, a, a rock creature um, being gay is, you know, a bridge too far for me." But then other people would say, um, "Well, it's not that, it's not that explicit." Do you know what I mean? It's not that sort of mm. daring to say, "Okay, a side character." Uh, who's mainly sort of a comedy thing uh, you know has some kind of moment I don't know I wonder and that's kind of I guess says something about maybe where it comes from in terms of I feel like a lot of Disney films fall under this kind of this thing of like I've not seen the Buzz Lightyear movie but I know that was kind of similar in that like it was or some people were like oh it's this is outrageous because there's a there's like a, a lesbian couple in it you know mm. um but then other people would think, okay, it's not that, you know, amazing. Um, or, or, you know, similar in Star Wars in terms of kind of making gestures towards inclusion, but then never really taking it that seriously. Um, mm. So I don't know. I, I guess it would be interesting to see what, yeah, what what young people make of it or um, how will they find themselves in that conversation? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And, and I don't know what the response has been from the the LGBTQ plus community for it. Yeah, I, I, I don't know where they are there. Yeah, how they've found it if it doesn't go, it doesn't go far enough. But yeah, and Disney, obviously, I've spoken about that with others on the podcast about Disney's initiative in, in, in terms of trying to be more prog mm. progressive and more inclusive with the writers, the directors, the, the stories that they tell and, mm. and the different people that they have on, on screen. And, yeah. and I guess, thought, yeah, even Thor Ragnarok was, I guess, trying to be more inclusive, and in and I guess this film is to a degree. But yeah, I don't know. I, for some, it's too much, and as you say, probably for for many, it might be not enough, and maybe still fairly tokenistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I th I I thought the name thing was interesting, just from fr from the the little that I know about it. The, the, the trans community in, in terms of mm. the, the the dead name type thing and wanting not mm -hmm. to be known as is who you were and actually this is this is this is my truth now this is my reality now and and the challenge that maybe older generations might have and uh, with that mm -hmm. I, th I, th I thought it was just a, it could be a possibly interesting just discussion even even not going down that line but just who decides who a young person is mm. and, and and what they get to be, even if not even moving away from, from from the trans side, but just in general with who gets to decide who you are and, and you are 
your career and, and, and who you get to grow up to be. And, and, and I guess there could be interesting conversations around that from, from that scene as well. Mm. Yeah, I guess we get, there's an afterlife as well, I guess, which is a potentially uh, interesting sort of religious thing. I think a few of the Marvel movies have now kind of gestured to, you know, afterlifey type stuff, which is always interesting. Um, like there's something like that in the Black Panther, isn't there? Um, mm. And he sees his he sees his dad, and I mean maybe it's just a kind of vision or something. And it's implied that yeah, Odin when he dies, he gets sort of he kind of glitters away, and he's I think he says he's going to. I guess he says he's going to Valhalla or some other yeah. place. Um, and yeah, we have that in this as well, which is, you know, I guess you can at least ask the question: What, what do you think? What do you think of that? Does that sound like a nice? Is that something you would like to believe in? You know, like somewhere, mm. some kind of reward after death, or a place for those who've particularly well, Valhalla is for those who died in battle, isn't it? Which I think yeah. is implied. That's why possibly why Jane goes is because she, well, she died while fighting cancer and whilst in battle, or something. Mm. um um which is you know yeah although that again that is it's kind of a merit it's it makes heaven a sort of meritocracy doesn't it because uh sort of uh you've got to die in in a noble way otherwise yes uh, you don't uh you don't make it in which i guess yeah. wouldn't be the the christian view of, of what happens um, no but i guess yeah that interesting questionable who who gets to go to the afterlife and, and mm. is it because you've been good is it because you've been noble or is mm. it to do with grace mm. and, yeah. and and so i guess there's an interesting a comparison again to do with mm. and obviously within the mcu looking like there are yeah it's obviously different afterlifes depending on 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 who you are and the community you've you've come to so mm -hmm. is there just one or is there there are multiple afterlifes yeah. so i guess is it just a good a good kind of discussion to have with with young people but yeah who gets in and why yeah yeah i think it's an interesting thing to explore okay definitely w was there anything else that, that you wanted to talk about joe those were i guess the key things for me when i when i watched it were the things that i wanted to discuss but was there anything else from your point of view i guess this is maybe just coming on to a more critical thing but just thinking about the the fact that cancer is a big part of the story yeah um I guess in a way it doesn't, at first it feels like, is it a glib mistreatment of cancer to kind of be like, oh, I guess that's the ultimate fantasy, you know, wouldn't, what if there was just some kind of miracle thing, you know, like a magic hammer that could, that could save you. Um, but then it is revealed that actually even a magic hammer can't stop cancer. In fact, it only makes it worse in mm. a way, um, which I guess kind of highlights the the sort of tragic side of that. So, you know, again, interesting that it's, even though I think the execution was mixed, that it's kind of, that it is going to that place of exploring something that mm. that a lot of humans, a lot of people, young people, older people will will experience if they haven't experienced, you know, someone someone they love having cancer. So that's you know, it's an interesting at least that it's kind of venturing in that direction, uh, you know, alongside this kind of fantastic stories of gods and you know, um, colourful rainbow bridges and stuff. Yeah, I reckon that's probably we probably covered a lot of it. It's it's good. I guess it's nice in a way that Gore, he has a kind of, he doesn't just they don't just kill him. You know, it's mm. kind of like he has this this dying moment of sort of clarity, which maybe is maybe that's a bit too neat and a bit easy that 
suddenly at the end he realizes the error of his ways um but i guess that's a bit more interesting at least that he gets to do something something good at the end of his life rather than just having been a wholly destructive character mm. which is you know i guess it's kind of a more hopeful hopeful view um of yeah um of our, of our lives and what yeah so yeah he has his his, his death his deathbed conversion i guess at the, <laughs> at the yeah, end of yeah. things but yeah i did like that that it's that yeah that again what i said about him he was transformed by love rather than any kind of revenge and it didn't lead to that that yeah mm. it just ends slightly differently than than many of marvel movies enemies do where they are just killed off yeah I thought that, that it was it was trying to do something else and I thought one other interesting bit, and I haven't worked out really the point or or, or how that can be explored, but how young people are then, the children are, are given Thor's power and that's transferred to them and at other opportunities, I guess, youth workers about the, the transference of that authority mm. uh, within church contexts and, 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 and things like that. I don't know if the, that just came to my mind there, so I'm not sure if there's anything to it. To explore no them. yeah i guess there's this thing of like you get this you know thor makes his he, he asks the hammer to protect jane you know and then so that you know later on it means that she can she can be mighty thor and there's that sense of actually okay maybe the power doesn't just belong to one person and it can be shared with people and mm. i guess that's kind of a kind of like grace in a way in the sense of like the generosity of of god that idea of like um that that humans are given responsibility and gifts um that that are, that are given by god in some way mm. and yeah again that sense of oh okay yeah like a big moment rather than young people just being passive at the end they have a chance to sort of have their moment um and that that's yeah i guess the the, the raising up of young people is um you know, big theme sort of, uh, or the valuing of young people, big theme in in, in scripture, um, and decided that they shouldn't be looked down on, and that they have a really valuable role to play. So, yeah, I would think that could be a, a powerful one for young people to think about, mm. um, whether they feel like they're in that kind of place, or do they feel like in their church, for example, that that's they feel like they have that kind of role, you know, or is it more like your you're sort of boxed into your kind of youth group and um mm. people yeah so it is that nice that he has that kind of um he gets to empower the the uh the young people with with some power um and yeah i guess that's a more positive vision isn't it of in the story of what well, what are god's like that actually that gods might want to sort of actually bless people in some way and mm. um give them some some freedom and responsibility yeah yeah and i guess that's a seemingly a, a big thing within phase four that we're in currently is the the, the passing on of authority to mm. younger people obviously seeing that within black widow and and, and hawkeye as, as, as well that that passing on to somebody somebody younger with mm. with miss marvel as well the, the tv series that's just finishing now mm with that and then obviously with this there is this handing over of authority and, and power to to the next generation in order to create a new generation of of superheroes ultimately and, mm, and, and, yeah. and so i guess this this film fits in 
in with that of yeah yeah not as you say not holding on to ourselves and and that us being the savior all the time and, and kind of within youth work that there can be that messiah complex which can mm -hmm. happen that oh but things won't happen if i'm not there and and kind of that giving up of that power and that authority and going well no this isn't about me this is about god using me to pass on to the next mm -hmm. generation yeah. and then to take up and, yeah. and phase four seems to be going down that that route as well yeah yeah so i i wonder then just to, to wrap up what do you think that the future of, of thor is because obviously right at the end it says thor will return a mm. similar james bond type thing at the end of the film so where do you think thor goes goes now yeah it's a very good question i don't know like if there needs to be a break or something that you know he just kind of retreats a bit i feel like it'd be more impactful if we had more time away from him mm. um i guess like i don't know i guess they're slowly moving most of the old avengers either they've killed them off or, or trying to push them push them out of it so that some of these newer heroes as you say can can step in um so where does that character go now i guess it's something about embracing what it means to be a parent you know more of that okay passing on rather than him being you know he starts his first movie as a young rebellious child but effectively even though he's you know, thousands of years old but still like a child yeah whereas now he's okay he's a parent now so he has to be more responsible so um i guess you know i mean you could say his his fate is uh, in movie terms is probably to die at some point in the next film or two because mm. that's often the role of you know the movie parent is to sort of uh, is to ultimately pass the baton baton on by by giving himself up in some way um i think you'd wanted to come back with some kind of obvious purpose you know i think yeah. i guess this this film generally felt a bit a, a bit of a miss in terms of quite what was he doing and like mm. didn't like um didn't feel that rewarding in a way his his story so it would be good to see him have some obvious even if he's if it's just a small role to be very specific what is he doing or is he like is he more like a wise old wizard you know like teaching people things or stepping in like gandalf or something you know mm. um i think that could be could be interesting um i don't know yeah what do you think yeah i don't I, I don't know either because I, I assumed that we wouldn't actually have got another Thor film with how it ended with him going off with the Guardians. I thought he's going to just be mm. within a Guardians movie, and obviously they then brought another. I, I can't see another Thor movie to be honest, where where mm. it's him and, and love front and yeah. center. I, I don't I don't see that, but I like that as a as a bit character wrestling with what it means to be a to be a parent. To be mm. to be in some kind of father figure, yeah. I think would be interesting. But I, I remember reading as well that both uh, Taika Waititi and uh, Chris Hemsworth were both surprised when it came up at the end saying Thor will return because they they both thought this was the swan song. Yeah, that, right. That, that this was it, and so they was they both said we were surprised when we saw that title because we thought yeah. this was the way for him to go out now. So yes. it will be interesting if they. If they do bring him back in some capacity in another Avengers movie, maybe, but I don't think we need another another Thor mm. movie. 
I think. Well, yeah, I guess Thor will return as either a, a, a promise or a threat, depending on uh, <laughs> how much you enjoy these films. And Very uh, good. yeah, I don't know. I guess that's. I mean, that is the again. It's a bit of a Disney thing, isn't it? That not really wanting to let go of any particular IP or character. So you know, mm. they just have to keep coming back. It would be nice if they're able to to draw a line or or just tell some different stories. I think. Um, yeah. 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 Great. Well, well, thank you again, Joe, for your for your time and for your insights and 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 for this this discussion. Uh, yeah, I've, I've loved it and 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 the stuff you've pulled out from it as well. The discussion we have. So so just uh, thank you again for your time and, and and I hope you have a good rest of the night. Thanks very much, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to Joe for joining me to discuss Thor: Love and Thunder. Love to know what you thought of our conversation. So please do get in touch at Real Faith Pod on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for us on there. We'd also love to know what you thought of the film. And please do get in touch with us there as well. If you've enjoyed the podcast, I'd love it if you would like and subscribe to it and leave us a hopefully positive review either on Apple or Google Podcasts or on Spotify. But thank you very much for listening again and look out for another episode coming soon.